Welcome, podcast listeners, to another episode of the Authentic Conviction Podcast. Um, we've got a special guest today, and one that uh, I would have never in a million years thought uh, I would meet somebody, and then a month later, not only have him in our office, but now have him on the podcast, but I've been extremely motivated by this young man, and I think he's got a lot to offer a lot of aspiring young professionals out there that are looking to, to make their own way. So um, we have with us today a uh, fellow Kings community member and uh, former Kings athlete and class of 19 Kings Knight, Mr. Nakeman Williams. And uh, we are going to uh, work through a lot of things. We're going to unpack a lot today. But before we do that, as usual, I want to make sure that I give Nakeman the chance to uh, tell the listeners a little bit about himself, his background, and and what makes him interesting. So welcome to the podcast, Nakeman. How you doing? Uh, How you hey, doing? I'm here with you, man. I'm here with you. It's good. I'm doing so, good. I'm doing good. Good. Well, tell our people a little bit about you for people that don't know you. I know there's a lot of people that listen to this that will know you, yeah. but tell the people that don't know you, uh, who you are, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> who are you? What makes you interesting? And tell us a little bit about your story. Well, I'm Nakeman. I came from King's. Grew up down in Cincinnati for the first roughly 11, 12 years of my life. And I moved up here to Kings. It was a culture shock. It, a lot of stuff changed. Things were different. And started playing sports, and that was my way out of, you know, the bad parts of Cincinnati and from all that stuff that went on. I mean, I didn't really have any parents, and I grew up with my sister, her wife, her brother, my brother, and her wife's mom and that was a crew right there and ever since to this day of that's been the crew since and we're slowly we're slowly dividing but my sister's always going to be there she was like a mother figure to mine and me and now I mean I'm no longer playing sports and I'm going towards the business side which I feel like I can make a change in a, a lot of communities and make a change for me and my family yeah oh I, you're you're definitely going to and we're going to be uh alongside every step of the way of that with you. But uh, so, so to give the listeners a little bit of, of a background here. Um, so I, I live in the Kings community. I've got kids that are, I have one that's graduated and two that are still in the Kings community. And the common thread that brought me and Nakeman together was actually uh, a gentleman in our office, Phil Poggi, who at one point was the athletic director at Kings yes, and uh, has done a good job of maintaining relationships with the young people that he was mentoring really while, while they were in school. Um, hence my, my introduction to Nakeman and found out, uh, at the ripe age of, correct me if I'm wrong here, 20. Yeah. Are you 20 yes. right now? No, I'm 21. Okay. 21, 21 years old, um, is, uh, has already gone through his licensing and for, to be able to sell life insurance and disability income insurance, among other things. And has really started his career in, in trying to become a, a bona fide financial planner, which is just incredible. So we lucked out. We were able to have the meeting, and and here we sit. So as I dug a little further, I you know obviously found out that he was a very decorated athlete at Kings High School. Um, I've got a great deal of respect for for people that commit themselves to sports and on all that all that's involved there. But but not only that, your your story. So. If you're okay with this, tell me a little bit about, so you, you said you lived in, in Cincinnati a little bit. Where out in Cincinnati did you live? And what are some of the memories you have of your childhood? Boy, oh, uh, well, we moved quite, we moved, we moved like almost like, I want to say, we moved from street to street from down in Cincinnati, but it was like Avondale, North College Hill, 
like Inner Cincinnati by Clifton, mm-hmm. just around that area, like Mount Healthy area, around those areas, obviously the rural parts like MLK Street and, you know, the rural areas down there, mm-hmm. which they're changing a lot, like OTR, live down there in OTR, which they're gentrifying everything down there in mm-hmm. OTR, which is changing, but it's also sometimes caused a lot of problems with some of those, like, people moving up, being mad, and moving up to uh, the Clifton area where UC is, so... Which, I mean, you can tell from a lot of parents from the Kings community, their kids want to go to UC, but some of the parents are, you know, a little bit scared. But, you know, it's it's like up and down for the most part. But, yeah, I moved around there for quite some time. And, like, my memories down there, I had, a lot, I had lots of friends growing up. And that's what really that's what really put, put me towards uh, moving to Kings, mm-hmm. I would say. A lot of them were athletes, which was good. Rick Kiner, Mayan Williams, like all those kids, like they're they're still playing right now. I mean, Corey's at LSU and mm-hmm. mine's at Ohio State. So like those are people I surrounded myself with growing up and mm-hmm. that was like the whole thing. But we have lots of memories. Like we weren't doing normal kid stuff. Like we were throwing like <laughs> like little snowballs at cars and <laughs> like not normal like ding dong ditching and everything like that. Right. But, yeah, it was like it was it was fun, but like we're young, like we're we're eight, nine, ten years old. Like we're not outside playing basketball and in the swimming pool and everything. We're more, we're more playing, playing football in the park, playing basketball, running from dogs and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah, just like fun little things. And so your sister is the one that ended up in the Kings School District. Yes, her okay. job brought her up here. Gotcha. And so um, that that became your support system, I'm assuming. Yes, it, she took my brother in first, and I, I was like. I was like, I have to get out of here. Like he did it, like, and things were changing for him, obviously. And he he came down and was showing like some of that stuff was like, you know, coming back to me. And I'm like, well, I need to, I need to get on that 100. Mm-hmm. percent So what I did, I mean, my sister is like, I'll bring you with too. And she brought me in, and everything changed from that day on. Yeah, I remember that day. It was it was a it was a relief. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we, we, are talking about, I think the impact that people will have in listening to this is, you know, I, I still remember when I was 21, 22, 23, a little bit. Um, <laughs> but I still remember the excitement that I had, um, as an example, when I was leaving Miami university, you know, and figuring out what I wanted to do, I had some really good job offers at some really good companies here in Cincinnati. And I, I decided, I don't want somebody telling me how much I can make or what I need to do. I wanted to, I wanted to be in control of my destiny. And you know, when you're a lion and you know, you know that you're, you're, you're okay hunting and eating and killing, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's a different mindset if, if you have to be a pack animal, right? Yeah. And I didn't want to be a pack animal. I wanted to be an alpha. And so I had to find a job. I had to find a career that fit that. Otherwise, I know, and you know this, I wouldn't be challenged enough. I wouldn't feel rewarded enough. And so, you know, I, I settled on something that I've been doing for 22 years since. Um, but I can remember that feeling I had and that epiphany I had when I said, this is what I want to do. Were there, were, was there something that sticks out to you when you, you thought to yourself, you know, I like this finance world. I like this whole idea of being in, in, in the sales world, right? Because that's really what it is. I mean, you're you got to go out and find clients and you got to, you got to solve problems for those clients. You know, um, is there a moment that sticks out that said, you know what, this is, I think this is what I want to do. Or was it, and you can be honest, 
I need to make some money and this is an opportunity. Like, which, which was it? Oh, it was a little bit of both. I think that a little bit, like, I know a lot of, like, a lot of people. Like, a lot of people know me from track and football. And I had my name out there quite quite a lot because I have friends from a lot of different school districts. Because, like, one thing about me, every weekend, now since I'm in college, every weekend I want to meet at least 20 to 25 new people. Mm -hmm. So I was just, like, keep going and going and going. And then I just was, like, I called – I just like who's some people I can call and everything like that. Like I have the people that's in the real estate world and I have the people that's in the insurance and finance world. And obviously I called Mr. Reagan and I was like, I was like, I think like, you know, some people that are in the insurance business and everything like that. And he called Phil and then I saw he connected me with you on uh, LinkedIn. So I was like, I like the way like he has like his brand building and how you have like started this company and actually starting like starting to build those relationships and bringing people in. And I think that this, for the most part, is going to be like one of the best opportunities that I can have going forward. Cause I'm 21 years old and I'm thinking literally like 10, 10, 15 years ahead of myself because mm -hmm. I mean, growing up in those, like that little era, not having very much and then seeing my sister have to sacrifice so much. It's like, I don't want to have that for my kids and my family. So I'm just going to keep going, mm -hmm. going and going and going. So I think this is opportunity because I'm not a nine to five kind of guy. I'm mm -hmm. more of a, you know, meet clients, help them and help people better and set their family up for success for the future. So, well, and, and for you, and, and, and again, this is um, part of what you're going to hear from me and you'll hear the same thing from Phil is, you know, creating and, and actually one of our previous guests, Jordan Tarver, he wrote a book um, that we talked about in the last one. Um, but and I won't say the title because we don't have to put explicit lyrics on this one here. But, um, you know, it's it's uh, I'll say it. It's his book is called You Deserve This Shit. Yeah. And, you know, it's really cool because he says when somebody says, tell me about your work life balance. He doesn't talk about that. You know, he talks about more of his um, work life. It wasn't implementation. It was integration, work-life integration. I loved that because people want to say they have work-life balance, mm -hmm. but they don't really know how to integrate it the proper way, you know? Yeah. And so the thing I always want to tell young people is a couple things. Number one, do everything that you can right now because your life is only going to get more stressful. Yeah. I tell my young kids all the time. I mean, my son is 14. My daughter at home is 16, and I got a 25-year-old out on her own. She would agree with this. My oldest one would when I'm talking to my young two. You think high school is stressful? Wait until you're, you're, you know, you have a mortgage and kids and, you know, because now it's not just your stress. You have the stress of other people that are counting on you. So when you're 21, 22, 23, 24, that's the time to be hungry and be selfish and do the things that you want to do. However, you can build up a position for yourself where when you get to that point, and let's say that your your long-term goals are, I want to have a kid, I want to have a, a wife, I want to have the house, I want to have all that. You're going to be a better version of you because you focused on you in your young years, which makes you a better person for them later on, right? Yeah. And I and I, I like to think that that's, your, that's kind of what you're thinking. But um, so when, when you look at this industry, what was it about this business and what is it? I mean, and you can be honest here. Is it, is it the freedom of time? Is it the financial independence? What is it when you look five years from today, like you said you, you, you are, what does that look like for you? 
like what it looked like five years from now. Like yeah. At the what are the clients you're working with? You know, what kind of what kind of life are you living at that point? Well, five years from now, I believe I'll be working with a lot of clients that I know that I've known that knows me for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And I believe that a lot of the clients will probably be classmates of my brother that graduated four years ahead of me. Some clients that are in my grade. Cause I know it's a lot of people in my grade that are really, really smart and that, you know, are lo- they're going to be lawyers and doctors and everything. Mm-hmm. So they're going to need that financial advisor and that financial planning in their life. I feel like, and I feel like that I will be there for them mm-hmm. and everything. And I feel like my client list will be a lot of people that w- are starting to think the way I think and starting to feel like realize that like my parents, yes, have set me up and everything like that. But like, I want to do the same for my family. And I feel like that this would be an opportunity to connect with all those people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that eventually five years from now, I feel like what I'll be 20, 25, 26. Mm -hmm. I feel like that I'll just be, I still feel like I'll be helping people. I hope I have a charity in my name at least and Mm -hmm. helping a lot of people over like Mexico over overseas in Africa I already went down to Mexico twice. It was a life changer. And that that made a lot of people open their eyes, but didn't really realize. But I realized that, like, I have an opportunity to change a lot. And that's, mm-hmm. what, that's what I really want to do. Well, we've talked about, you know, your uh, some of your previous communities. And, and, you know, I shared a story with you about one of our advisors that felt like, you know, there's, there's, there's some poverty that he sees in the, in the inner cities in Cincinnati or the inner part of the, of the city. And for him, he thought, you know, if I can, if I can get through to a couple families and I can talk to them about planning, I can, I can have them, you know, understand the use of a product like life insurance that, that could literally stop that cycle of poverty for that family. If they choose to make that decision to sacrifice a certain amount of money every month, right? Like that's just one example or understand the idea of, of having enough money that can go into a savings that can give them the ability one day to retire where they don't have to work, you know? Um, but it was, it was a cool, it was a really cool conviction that he came to on his own that said, I can make an impact in some of these communities. And I know you shared that. Yeah. I mean, is there, you talked about your charity work and things like that. And I love that, that you're thinking about, you know, more impoverished com- countries than even like we think we have it bad here. It's, it's horrible. <laughs> other places like it's bad here but it's not the same like, right when i went to monterey mexico um it was it's way way worse than here like i thought cincinnati was bad and down there is horrible yep it was bad i mean it's it's a uh, here here uh whether or not you have running water doesn't doesn't um uh, you know dictate whether you have a problem there it does right yeah. i mean people without running water people without shelter people without you know and I'm not trying to compare the two, but I think it's really neat that you that you have that conviction. Um, but you know, have you thought about that impact that you can have in some of those communities um, that you uh, you probably still have friendships in, right? Mm, yes. Um, and and some of the areas, even now, you being a UC student, you know that you, um, I mean, you've you've spent a lot of time in Clifton, right? Yes. So <laughs> so, I mean, is that an area? Is that something that you still keep in mind that you want to do professionally? Is is help serve that community? Yes, I do. And like was like like I said, they were doing they're doing a lot of gentrification down there, but like once that move out, these people are gonna have that they're gonna need homes. Like they're just gonna put the homeless rate down there. 
Mm -hmm. Like, people are going to need homes. The kids, a lot of the kids, like, I've seen, like, a lot of kids get off school buses and run away from the school. And, like, they're not getting that from, like, their parents. They're they're just getting that from the community. Like, they follow follow each one of those kids. And once they see one kid goes to school and everything, they're just going to follow. It's just going to keep going and going and going. And it's, like, domino effect. Like, once, once one kid falls into, like, that good path of, like, wanting to change everything, people are just going to follow. Mm-hmm. And, like, I have a lot of friends in Clifton. I have lots of friends in the Kings area, Mason area, Norwood area, Mount Health area. I have, I have friends everywhere. And seeing the lifestyle of my friends in Clifton and then seeing my lifestyle and the friends in Kings, obviously you see the people in Kings and Mason have, like, those mentors and those people that are – Making sure that like go towards the right, go towards the right way, go towards the right path. Mm-hmm. And people in Clifton, they don't have those mentors. So the only thing they're basically basing it off of is people around them. So if you surround yourself by a bunch of people in Clifton, then it's just gonna like, you know, it's gonna go up and down like what people do. But I see a lot of people reaching out to me on a daily basis. That's like, hey, like, what are you doing? Like, what is what is motivating you? What's like, what are you doing now for work and everything like that? And mm-hmm. I've been telling everyone I'm so excited to be here. Like, <laughs> I haven't been this excited since probably seeing your football game versus Milford. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't been excited since. Hold on. How'd you do in that game? Uh, uh, what, five touchdowns and two-something? <laughs> two, like, 265. couple bills, yeah, five they, touchdowns. They were they – were, they were, uh, over – it was, like, all the news and everything was there, too, and they were talking about Carlos and – I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta live up to that now. Like, yeah. I, gotta, I gotta do at least have a really good game. And <laughs> yeah, we sounds like you did. Yeah, our senior class, we had a lot of fun that game. Yeah, it was, it was like it was like practice. If you want to be honest? Yeah, <laughs> it was fun. You know the the cool thing is, and and so you know you're talking about um, some of these communities that you can have an impact in, um, and it, and it's even uh, here's what I would say the big difference is, and we we talked about this before we went on air that we're, people are so afraid to have open and honest conversation. We're afraid to have dialogue now because what happens, what I think's happened in our world is, is that we allow the extremes on either side of something to control the narrative. Mm-hmm. When in reality, they're literally called extremes because it's, it's not the norm. You know, you could take the 10% out of either side of something and you're going to live probably the middle 80, right? Yes. Whether it's politics, religion, sports, it doesn't matter, Right. But sadly, our media isn't going to make a lot of money if they cover the mundane eighty percent in the middle. Yeah, they're going to follow the extremes, right? Right. Um, and so, but I think if if we actually open ourselves up more, and we talked about this earlier, we joke around. Um, I'm probably a little bit more of a common look in Kings yeah. School District than most, right? And you know, but you sit here, Nakeman. And we talked about this. How many men of color were in your graduating class at Kings? It was, it was me, Trey, Sean. He's like my brother, Jay, and less than ten. It was definitely less. It was definitely less than ten. I mean, so think about that. You probably graduated with two hundred and fifty people. Yes, right, close, right. Mm-hmm. So that's five percent of the class. Yes, that. So, so what I think happens in our society is your place, which you. you th- you thrived. I mean, see what you don't realize, or you may realize it. I don't know. Is um, it, it didn't matter if it were uh, white kids, black kids, Hispanic kids, uh, you know, Asian kids. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They were looking up to you because of the person that you were, not because of the color of your skin. 
right? Right. Um, but but you made the decision, I want to move here. I want to create some more balance in my life. You made the decision to go into that community, right? Yes. So now you're put in this community, and now you're living in a scenario that isn't even close to indicative of what our actual population is in the world. Yes. So you're literally living in an anomaly, yes. you know? <laughs> and, and so, but, but handling it with class. But I think if we, if we open ourselves up to have more of these conversations mm-hmm. to create some, some more open communication, regardless of what it is, I mean, we happen to be talking about race right now, um, but it could be politics. It could be any of that stuff. We don't have enough of those conversations. Don't. And now you enter this world, into this financial planning world and you have the impact or you can have the impact of all these families, regardless of race, regardless of belief, regardless of profession. Um, but also, and this is the, the point that I wanted to make earlier is that I would say that one of the biggest differences, and this isn't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to quote this or, 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 or give statistics for this. Mm-hmm. I'm using my common sense and seeing a lot of kids that I've coached in sports and I've watched in, 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 in basketball and base, base basketball gyms and baseball fields the biggest difference I see in more of the suburban areas is that there's two parents in the home. Yes, that's uh, co- completely true. I'm sure you've noticed that a lot. Mm-hmm. So now you, you know, flocking to that leadership probably isn't a coincidence. You, you, you are now around positive male role models for you. And now you can be that for other people. And so I just think of the, you talk, start talking about the impact you can have in your communities. It goes beyond just your ability to possibly do planning for them. You might be the biggest male role model in some of these kids' lives that you get to interact with when they're at a young age. Have you thought about that? Yes, I have actually. Cause, uh, Garvin, for example, Alex Garvin, my, my recognized name, he's head coach at Kings now. Mm-hmm. He's, he was like a father figure to me. Mm-hmm. I and mean, Mike Stosky were thing with Garvin. Garvin has two kids of his own. Mm-hmm. But he just adopted two kids, two mm-hmm. black kids from the inner city, actually. Wow. And, like, I go over there every day just to check up on them and see how they're doing and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, because, you know, like, because a little black girl, she's like, oh, why is my hair not straight and everything like that? Like, why can't I? It's different, like, different things. And, like, mm-hmm. they understand, like, raising black kids and raising white kids in a white community is completely different. And, like, they, they ask me all the time, how did you do it? How did you get through like so many years of being around so many white kids. And I was like, I just adapted, adapted to my surrounding and my habitat. And I made a name for myself probably fifth or sixth grade. And when it came to that, it's just like, I, I surrounded myself with a lot of people, a lot of good people. And that's how I strive to just like, you know, not very mean people mess with me about racism stuff and like that. I, I think I counter one in high school, which that that wasn't even from our school. That was actually from a different school, mm-hmm. coach actually. And then I think fifth grade I encountered one, one or two, and then one in uh, eighth grade, and I actually got my uh, my DC trip taken away for that one. But <laughs> oh <laughs> but, man, I mean, it was like you can't. It's certain things you can say and certain things you can do, but when you take it to the extent, like you gotta you gotta chill out. Now, like, were you that. accountable when that when that happened? Did you uh, step back from and say, hey, I, I got to own part of this? Or was it something where you got a bad deal? No, I, like, when I, when they asked me, when they, they told me, like, oh, you're suspended or whatnot. I was just, like, I was, like, I told totally, like, I understand. But, like, you got to, like, you got to start seeing, like, it's not very many, it's not very many colored kids here. It's mm-hmm. not very many black kids here. Mm-hmm. So when multiple white kids or a white kid think that they're about to, like, bully a black kid and be racist towards them, 
that they're not just going to get, oh, the back is just going to get pushed down. Like, I'm sorry, but that's not how I was raised. And right. like, that's not how any black kid is raised. Like, right. Because they're like, we don't, black kids don't really tolerate bullying mm-hmm. at all. And mm-hmm. I didn't do that. At all. I don't tolerate that at all. Like, I deal with a lot of other people's stuff being bullied, and I stepped in, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, like, that right there is just being a role model mm-hmm. towards, like, a lot of other people in the community. And they started to understand, like, he, like, he understands, like, all these things people are going through, and he's stepping in. But, like, a lot of these kids don't really understand it because, like, they had iPads and stuff. <laughs> right. And, like, in fourth and fifth grade, so they're, like, not really understanding, like, the whole concept of, like, you got to help people no matter what their situation is and everything like that. And mm-hmm. you got to be a role model to the community. And I think sixth grade, that's when I wanted to start being a big role model to the mm-hmm. community and start standing up for, like, the black people in the community. And then it all changed when Trey Sean came, like he came in freshman year of high school. He's he he's black black. <laughs> like he's he's ghetto black. <laughs> he, he adapted, but he has like the yeah. whole, he has like you know different kind of side to him now. But he he came in and he was like be- instantly best friends with me and everything like that. We had mutual friends from like Clifton area, Mount Healthy area. Mm-hmm. But he came, he did the exact same thing. He wasn't tolerating anyone thinking about doing that stuff like mm-hmm. he's like yeah we dress different yeah we wear jeans every day <laughs> yeah like like different kind of things and he's like you better understand like it's called culture like you guys have your culture we have our culture like you can mm-hmm. like a lot of his kids back in the day oh it was like sperries and khakis every day <laughs> trey sean where he wore tims and boots and a beater every day and he's right like, he's like this is all i wore for the past like six years like he's like he moved up here white parents yeah he he got they adopted him or brought him in as the legal guardian, mm-hmm. but he he changed completely. But he has both sides. Like he's the exact same way I am, but he has both sides. Mm-hmm. But he he has this, like when he has to say something, put his word out there, he does it, and that's what I respect about him. And I actually treat him like a younger brother than me, mm-hmm. and that's who actually just calling me. But he just like that's what I want to do, like because like he's one of the people that I have in that little domino effect of black people that are changing the way white people look at culture and actually making sure like not just white people, all these, all different kinds of people understand what the world sees and what it goes through. Cause a lot of kids don't see it. Well, and it's, it's really hard. So on this, on this podcast, and I know that we've talked about this, it's, you know, this, this, this journey of figuring out who you are as a person, mm-hmm. you know, and I look back, so I'm 44 years old. And I feel like, and I say this a lot on here, I feel like I'm, I feel like last month I was a complete moron, <laughs> you know, and I probably, and I wasn't, you know, I've, I've done, I've accomplished a lot in my life. I'm proud of the things I've been able to do. I manage multiple businesses and I manage people and, and I'd like to think I do a pretty good job at it. But the point is, is that you, you, you develop so much in such a short amount of time that when you look at how much you develop over years, five, 10 the man that you'll be at 31 will be completely different than the man you are today. Yes. And that guy is going to look back at this guy and would probably have, you know, a few things to say back, right? Mm-hmm. Or even better to say, if I could grab you before you get here, here's what I would tell you to do differently. Yes. You know? However, you can't rob yourself of that experience, um, that that seasoning that happens in your life. It, it kind of leads you to different different paths and different things. However, the person that you are is only determined by you, mm-hmm. you know, 
Um, so your environment doesn't change it. The color of the people around you shouldn't change it. it. Right. But it can give you new perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, like you went to Monterey, you probably learned a lot from that trip. Did. Wow. You probably learned more in one week in Monterey than you would in six months being in, in Kings Mills, Ohio. A hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's a, that's a really cool journey. And now you sit here. So you've been able to go through the process at a young age. This is what impressed me the most. We're sitting at breakfast at Le Peep and, and I, and, and Phil says, Oh yeah. Uh, Nakima already gone through the licensing. He's already, you know, kind of been out in the field working trying to acquire new clients. And I'm like shaking my head. Like you gotta be kidding me. You know, you were going to school. Yeah. You know, you, 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 uh, participated in, in intercollegiate athletics for a, sh- a short amount of time as well. Mm-hmm. On top of that, working quote unquote security at I the uh, at the right at the gate at some of the spots in, in Clifton. Yeah, to me that's grinding, man. That's working. Like I'm going to figure my path. I'm not. I'm not too proud to to do anything right now. I'm going to earn my money. I'm going to learn about myself, but I'm going to also try to find a career. So in your short amount of time that you've had in this, in this world of, of, of the financial planning side of things, what is it in your mind that is the biggest, what's the most challenging thing from getting you from, from where you are to where you want to be? Uh, probably, I would say just, just learning and seeing exactly the steps you took to be where you are. Because mm-hmm. obviously I look up to you mm-hmm. as a figure that, that is someone that, I would like to go towards that path. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you kids are probably having a great life, probably living very well. You mm-hmm. living very well because you come in with these nice shirts. I see <laughs> <laughs> golf pretty, golf pretty, yeah. golf pretty much, and like it's all good. golf apparel. Yeah, nice golf apparel, <laughs> and just like that is somewhere I want to be five, ten years from now, and everything mm-hmm. like that. And yes, we're I'm I'm really really young, twenty one. And but the thing is, like, you waste. I don't want to waste any years, and I don't want to be like, oh, I should have did this, did that. Because like this summer, I was like, I I don't regret anything this summer. This summer, I worked four four to five jobs. Like I'm going from seven seven a.m. to two three four o'clock in the morning every day, and I was just doing it. And I I loved it. I was really tired. Sometimes I get a little grumpy, but mm-hmm. it's not the whole point of being tired. It's just like the ethic of being working because i love working mm-hmm. and that's one thing i always want to do and i think that this business is going to be a exact spot there i want to be five and ten years from now mm-hmm. and that's when i told you yesterday and at la peep this isn't a short-term gig for me it's a long-term gig and mm-hmm. that's where i'm going to go like i'm going i'm starting here starting at the bottom and i'm just gonna i'm trying to go to the top yeah nothing's gonna stop me from doing that you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. I, I, the realization that I had and, and just to, just to respond to a couple of the things you said, um, you know, number one, it's a good, it's a good thing. You don't literally look up to me cause I'm not a real tall guy. So I actually literally look up to you. <laughs> so you can figuratively look up to me and I'll literally look up to you. Uh, but you'll be surprised at how many people will flock to you regardless of, of, of your level of success so far, you can gain a lot of respect in the person and the man that you are, you know? Um, but you're right. You know, it's, it's kind of a delicate balance. I've always said, I, I wasn't given any handouts growing up. You know, it, my, my past certainly isn't anything near what you were dealing with bouncing around. Uh, my father passed away at a young age. We moved, but you know, we, I learned from an early age, 
you know, we month to month, you got to work hard to earn that money to pay your bills. You know, you want to live in a nice community. I went to Lakota high school, so I was in a nice school district and, you know, but that comes with a price where all my friends around me were, were getting a new car at 16 and getting a, I wasn't getting that stuff, you know? So it made me hungry. Now here's the problem. That edge that I gained and not having any handouts, when you finally get older, like how you're thinking, you're saying, I would like to shield my kids from all the crap that I had to deal with, mm-hmm. right? Now, going back, my crap wasn't really crap, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like you're, some people's, like, I think I have problems. My mm-hmm. problems would be other people's blessings. I yeah. mean, think about okay. that for a yes. second. So, so I don't want to, like, make this out to be like I was, you know, living in a mud house and without running water and like some, like, some, like you would see in Haiti. I mean, that's, yeah. that's trouble. That's, that's problem. Trouble. Um, and it breaks my heart. Right. So I had it pretty good, but I wanted to shield my kids from any of the struggle that I saw. Mm-hmm. So it's like, cool, I can do that. I can give them a better life, but now I'm robbing them from the same thing that sharpened my blade. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that is where the balance is, but it is nice. I mean, I want, I want my kids to, I'm just, again, being honest, this is called authentic conviction. I'm going to be honest with you. I want my kids to love God and honor God. I want them to love their family and honor their family. And I want them to be just outstanding human beings that, you know, are infectious to the people around them, you know? Now, what comes along with that, um, I feel like if you go, you know, there's a sign in in Notre Dame, you know, I'm a big Irish fan, but you walk in there in the training center and it says, God, family, Notre Dame. You know, and I always tell our kids, you know, God, family, and then everything else, whether that's sports or school or whatever. Um, but if you get the first things first, the second, third, and fourth things will take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, so that part of it's cool. And again, that's part of your journey. Um, so when you when you step back and you say, all right, I want to learn more. I want to figure out how to get where I, where I need to be. Um, you know, what, what uh, from from – so you've set in some training classes here over the last couple of days, right? Or at least yeah. the last day. What is it? What is the, what is the one thing you said? All right, I need to be really good at whatever it is. What is that one thing that you need to be good at to advance your career and create the financial success that you want in this business? Taking notes, taking <laughs> notes towards what, cause I have the networking part down. I'm really young and I have the marketing part and the advertising part down in my head. And like, that's, always that's what i went towards and everything like that so mm-hmm. that part i feel like that i'll be really really good at like marketing myself and marketing mm-hmm. my brand i think taking notes down on the little things like enjoy the little things and taking my notes down on little things will make a difference in the long run because obviously i've done a little bit of insurance done a little bit of selling and mm-hmm. meeting with clients and as you see as the first time you met me I, I'm very, I can talk to almost anyone. That's mm-hmm. one thing I can do. And I'm very diverse to who I, like, who I talk to. And I feel like no matter who it is, I can be able to talk to them and actually be able to help them with their financial problems or even if they just want to have insurance and help them for the long run if anything mm-hmm. ever happens. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is what's really good, but I have to take down the little things that most people push off to the side because if you push all the little things off to the side and then you never really get the big pie but that's my whole just on that yeah i, th- I think it's this is cool because this is the first time and i'm, I'm looking over at, at josh because i know he, he would agree with this but this is the first time that we've said on said on this podcast and had a somewhat specific conversation about a role in a certain industry 
right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're very high level. We talk about conviction. We talk about relationship building, the art of the phone call. We talk about a lot of that stuff. And now I'm sitting across from a 21-year-old. And now what we get to do is we get to watch this journey. And I think what would be, what we, what, and I'll, I'll lay this out there, we will be following that journey both through our social media posts and through following your success. But um, the people that are out there, I, what, what I would hope they would get more than anything is, number one, this is a business that will never go out of demand, mm-hmm. right? Because forever, there will always be families that require income to make them to help them survive, right? Right. And if that breadwinner is taken out of the equation, it's really difficult in the absence of people earning income, where's that paycheck going to come from? And I don't think people truly understand the gravity of just one of the products that we offer, which in this case, we're talking about life insurance, mm-hmm. right? Or the probability of your young people that are going to be going out in the workforce. These people that you say are going to be doctors and attorneys. Um, more importantly, you know, doctors, because if a doctor gets in, a, in an auto accident or has some sort of sporting accident and can't use their hands and they're a surgeon, well, what, what good's their school anymore if their hands don't work to operate on somebody? These are the types of things that you, you will have the ability to go out and connect with them on and position in their lives so that they can protect the things that mean the most to them. That's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. And so for you, the transformation happens when you go from this is, this is a living that I'm making for myself to it would make me sick to my stomach if I don't talk to the right people and then, then it's too late. Right. right. Like what conversation? So you talk about Mr. Reagan. Mm-hmm. What a great guy. Right. Great guy. I love, him. I see him walking all the time in the neighborhood. <laughs> right. So, you know, if you, or, or you pick another family, um, what's Stiskies. another, Stiskies. okay. Stiskies. So you imagine this to say, now you know what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. What conversation would you rather have? Mr. Stilski, I'd like to talk to you about how I could potentially serve you and your family through, you know, talking about some of the financial products that, that we offer. Right. Right. Or, when Mrs. Stilski comes to you and you got to say, I'm so sorry, I didn't have the courage to have this conversation with them. And now they're left behind mm-hmm. without their ability to cover their, cover their expenses. Yes. That's not a fun conversation. It's not at all. So it's either, it's either the, 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 the pain of sacrifice or the pain of regret, right? Mm-hmm. And us sacrificing a little bit of our discomfort early on to have tough conversations with people is pretty impactful. And let me ask it to you another way. Did you like do back handsprings when you found, oh, I get to go to Monterey and, and not have running water and live in, and be in a third world country for a week? Was that a little bit discomfort? Did it create some discomfort for you? Yes. My, my whole thing is stay uncomfortable. That's, my, that's, my, that's what I live by, stay uncomfortable. Because as soon as people get uncomfortable, that's when you start letting things slip and you start taking advantage of the things that you, you start taking advantage of the things that you don't really realize that you're taking advantage of. Like, right. That makes sense. Yep. And so, so what, how did you overcome that discomfort to hop on a plane and go on a mission trip to, to, uh, to Mexico? Uh, it's the first time I found out, I was just like, I wasn't, I was excited to see other, what they were going through. And I was excited to help because mm-hmm. when I went down there, I wasn't, I wasn't just like, Oh, on vacation. I was there building trenches Helping out like the flood, like the little flood tunnels. I was helping the kids out like with English, which I don't speak very much Spanish when they were mm-hmm. talking to me. But I was understanding a little bit. But like, mm-hmm. it, first of all, they they never they don't see people darker than them. 
and they told me that, and I was like, and they were like, they were very excited. Mm-hmm. So the kids actually being able to, to like go outside the orphanage, orphanage and go to the mall and trampoline parks and ice rings and everything like that with us, they just showed like you can have fun and you can enjoy life when you can, but they don't have that opportunity very much because they're stuck in an orphanage and it's only a certain amount of family or a certain amount of adults there that are allowed to take like that can take them out to the real world and obviously they're more safe when they go out with you know a lot of people that are looking out for them and a lot of more parents that come down so me going to Monterey Mexico I think it was interesting to see the culture shot that I put on a lot of people's faces mm-hmm. but also I was like I like I was at I, we were at almost like the lowest like our family was and that was like lower and I was very surprised with that so I was very intrigued and very 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 like excited to help mm-hmm. because all I ever want to do is help and that's crazy because you know th- those are those are situations that you can visually see mm-hmm. that 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 are impoverished right yes. that are um you know in need of that of whatever it might be of of you know helping them build out you know community homes churches right right and now we're in a business where it's invisible and it's our job to dig in and, and figure out who is really needing that help. You know, the scary thing is, is it lives as much in, in the King's community, right in my own neighborhood, McKeeman and TPC or wherever, it doesn't matter. You think everybody's got their plan together and, and you're going to find out that a lot of them don't. But it's that courage that you can have in saying, I want to serve. I want to help guide you. I want to educate you. I want to learn more about what's going on that will get you to that point. Mm-hmm. And we're going to track it. I'm excited about it. And me too. I had a friend. I had no names, but I had a friend that was living in uh, TPC and parents had to move out because they weren't financially planning, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't really looking towards what would happen if, you know, one of us died and that income stopped. Mm-hmm. And so they ha- actually had to move out of the TPC because all that money went away because they weren't financially planning, right? Right. Yep. And it's hard to watch. I mean, regardless of, of it's, it's cause on the surface, people could say, oh, boo hoo. They had to move out of their, you know, their golf community home. Mm-hmm. Right. But in reality, that's home to them. You know, yeah. that's their home. And, and we have the ability to, you know, we can't change the bad things that happen in life, but we can at least help them protect, you know, uh, for, for, for what happens after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, the next level for you would be also getting to the point where you can show people how they can retire comfortably as well yeah which is exciting so let's talk about some of the uh, shift gears here a little bit to some of the fun stuff we're going to do so obviously being in this business you know it's important that you that you maintain your presence and 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 the community that you maintain your presence within your your own marketplace Mm -hmm. and obviously you're a very well decorated athlete um it's funny i've talked to some even some of my son's friends who are real heavily involved in the king's football program and um, they informed me that they know all about you because they know you met with me somehow. I'm like, this is crazy how... I don't know how they know that. So, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's like how fast your name travels through Kings is pretty impressive, you know? Yeah. Um, but you obviously love sports. You're passionate about some of the things that, that, that you're still involved in. So what, what kind of uh, content can people look for that, you may, that, that we're going to start working on and, and helping you build your own brand? Uh, well, they definitely are going to... Uh 
They're definitely going to hear the real story, the full story. I know we got a, like a little article, a little slash documentary that the news put out uh, my junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the full story is definitely going to be coming. Mm-hmm. Figure out about me. Uh, definitely going to have a couple people, a couple guest guest speakers on here that they're going to you know share their obviously share their story with me mm-hmm. and everything coming to the Kings community, mm-hmm. which mostly that's Trey Sean because he's my, he's like my little brother. Yeah. Everyone wants to know the full story with me and him. So obviously that will be going. So we don't definitely talk about some sports mm-hmm. later on in the podcast. Cause obviously I live in Cincinnati and I'm a Pittsburgh fan and that, that that's a little bit of the debate everywhere. And yeah, we won't talk about yeah. that, but I'll tell you what we can work on. <laughs> Is uh, we can maybe uh, try to get our boy Josh Harrison on here. You know, it's he's a local bad. guy. Yeah, he's a local guy. And he used to be one of your Pittsburgh Pirates. He's not anymore. Yeah, you're right. But he'll be the one I'll, that, that I would gladly have on here. He and yes. I have some common denominators Definitely in the baseball Definitely got to try world. to get, uh, what's his name on here? Uh, Anthony Munoz. There you go. He's uh, Mr. Andy Olds. Yes, he was like a father figure to me, and I met I met Andy Munoz a couple of times, but definitely got to get him on here. Yeah, that's one of my main goals is him getting on here. Well, I think the cool thing that that the common thread that we can keep on this and keep on our path and keep in our direction so that J Rock doesn't get too mad at me, he thinks I bounce all over the place too much, which is actually true. <laughs> um, but I think if we can if we can keep our sports content and the guests that we have on mm-hmm. around what you're doing to be shaped around how sports has had an influence on how you become a better person and a better professional. Yes. Because the people that you just mentioned, can all tell stories. And I, I used to, I, I, I quit coaching this year. It's a little bit sad, but I've done my part. I've, I've earned my stripes. Um, but I would tell my boys all the time, look, um, sports is here to teach you about life. Life isn't here to teach you about sports. And so these lessons and these stories would be really cool to share, but then we'll also parlay that with how it's led people professionally as well, mm-hmm. which would be a fun, a fun little uh, journey that we'll walk through. Yeah. Starting with you. I'm, I'm all here for it. Great. I can't wait. I can't wait. Great fun. Well, this is our little teaser for that. So yeah. we'll, uh, we'll have more out on the airwaves, but, uh, before we end, I, I got you in the hot seat. I want you to tell myself and the listeners, what are the things for the person that has no idea who you are? All right. Mm-hmm. What are the things that make you great? Uh, just imagine, I would say just imagine not having parents and your older sibling taking you in and you going to a different city a different culture and coming up from that and like going from absolutely having nothing to building building a really really big community behind you and trying to make a change to the world because that's who I am and nothing's going to stop me from going to the top of the mountain to change everything about Cincinnati it's the good things down there but it's a lot of bad things mm-hmm. so that's that's a lot that's a little bit about me but it's a lot coming that's all I gotta say that was about as authentic as we've heard yet. That was that was absolutely awesome, um, and I know that that's going to be a nice nugget for for people to see and and, and have a glimpse into who you are. And um, I'm sure that we won't have any problems with people tuning in and listening to this episode. So, Nakeman, it's been an honor, my friend. Thank I can't you. wait to watch this this growth and uh, your spiritual growth, your professional growth, and your personal growth. And I'm going to be alongside you. I'm and you, you'll laugh at this, but I'm going to learn as much from you as you're going to learn from me. So I'm looking forward to it.
Perfect. Thank you. Me too. All right, my man. Until next time, uh, thanks for tuning in to the Authentic Conviction podcast. Um, we'll have some exciting updates and, and uh, what's to come um, in, in the next few weeks. But uh, thanks, and uh, we will be back on the airwaves very soon.